Dame, it just realized I got it to work, but then I forgot to put the visual up because I was just testing the audio. And so I danced the whole time. Uh, yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Pete the Planner Show. Um, we get so excited around here when we're able to make things work. Uh, hello, Jameson. Good day to you down in Tejas, I believe they pronounce it. Dame, how are you? Oh, I could put you on the screen. How are you, Dame? I am doing well. It was uh, almost like a repeat of last week when I was wondering if I was going to make an appearance at all. And I think it was maybe halfway through the first segment before you uh, you clued me in. <laughs> a lot going on. Um, Dame, happy 4th of July weekend. If you remember, if you listen to back shows like I do on a, a regular basis, you will know that you noted the reason you were excited for this weekend was so that you could catch Tom Cruise in the theater and uh, the Top Gun 2, but we have known now that that is delayed until November. So I'm sorry that your weekend will not be as awesome as it would have otherwise been. I'll find something to do. Uh, Dame, this week on the show, we've got three actually really good topics, I think. Um, uh, hello, uh, Steve Miller. Hello, hello. <laughs> Calling me the Tom Papa of personal finance. I'll take that. Uh, oh, Jameson notes, I've missed several weeks, been catching up on the podcast. The best thing to happen in the podcast, stay getting money and Ollie's appearance a few weeks ago about Fun Dad Summer. Um, we could call her again today. Dame, I'm taking Ollie to the bank today to get her a tween debit card today. A tween debit card. Interesting. Uh, is that uh, somehow linked to uh, the parents or send parents notifications on when transactions go down on that? Yeah, it's an app. It's like a whole yeah. thing. Like it's uh, so we're doing that, teaching a little responsibility this afternoon. And of course, since you know me, uh, we will be walking in the bank, and I will not say a single word the entire time. We will make Ollie facilitate her own process because, well, that's how you teach people things. Dame, this week, here are the topics, and you choose what we're talking about first. A really interesting question that I made you research, and then I went and researched on my own because then I was like, I got to know something because I know nothing about a sweep mortgage that is all over TikTok right now. That's what all the TikTok finance people are talking about. So we will talk about that. We got a good question about uh, rollovers, like old retirement accounts, like what do you do? And then Dame, my Indianapolis Business Journal column this week is a question about how often should you meet with your financial advisor? So I'm going to let you program the show this week. You choose the order in which we tackle those. Uh, let's do the sweep question. Let's uh, get that right off the top. Okay. Sweep. And then uh, what's after that? You want to do the meet with financial advisors and then we'll do the investment one? Yep. That's what I would do. And then Buam and big uh, Buam is a killer this week it is good oh, that's that's an aggressive tease going now. it is good and then also i have to note that we will be talking about where the jobs are so to speak there's a report <laughs> of where job creation has happened pretty interesting what's more interesting is where jobs have fallen off uh, did you see the report on cnbc today about where we where we lost jobs in the last month no we don't have tv in my my area it's a website okay oh. dame in are you ready to go yeah in oh uh hold on i gotta i gotta find this sorry everyone was like oh my gosh what's happening are they organized now no dame where's that email i sent you that you said i will look it up uh would oh. you like me to read the email all right yes can you read it when we start the show okay three two one 
This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. Magic happens after that. Damian Dunn, Vice President of Advice, may answer your question here on these airwaves. We may email you back or we may simply ghost you. Dame, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Pete. Happy Independence Day. Same to you. More like Financial Independence Day. Uh, This email is from Jennifer. Hi, Pete. Straight to the question. What do you and Damien think about sweeping your mortgage with a HELOC? We have about 50% equity in our home, valued at about $420,000. I'm guessing you'll say that using debt to pay off debt is always a bad idea, but is there a strategy to you that makes any sense? Jennifer. All right, Dame. So sweeping the mortgage is sweeping the internet right now. People are always talking about uh, uh, here on this internet uh, thing about this uh, technique of using a home equity line of credit, a credit card with a pretty long uh, payment window and your paycheck and your mortgage to create this incredibly complicated structure of debts and payments and a bunch of sorts of other things. So Dame, do you want to attempt to explain what sweeping your mortgage is or do you want me to do it? I'm, I'm, I'm deferring to you here, my friend. Uh, I'll give it a shot and you can maybe uh, help me fill in the, the, the around the edges a little sure. bit. Uh, first of all, be really careful when you're trying to get financial advice off of TikTok or other what? social media platforms. I, I know it might seem a little controversial, but... Uh, when I see uh, people also on TikTok or Instagram or wherever saying that you can get a half a million dollar mortgage if you uh, uh, only have $50,000 worth of income and, and can afford it, eh, or if they have to break out a, a giant whiteboard to try and illustrate how this is going to work, uh, it might be another reason to think that maybe this isn't for everybody. And but Before you explain that, how do we not sound like old guys complaining about people getting uh, financial advice from TikTok. Like, how can we deliver that piece of guidance without sounding like old bald men like we are? It's a fair question. I, everybody's got an angle. If you will notice, you know, most of those people are selling something that has to do with the the method they are pushing. Um, not saying they may be trying to make a profit on it, but it seems like they may be trying to make a, a profit on some of this. So, uh, Take everything with a grain of salt, run it by somebody else and, and see if it still makes sense. But uh, just be careful. Sweeping a mortgage. All right. Pete alluded to it. You need a few components to make this happen. Mortgage uh, first, obviously. Uh, paycheck, credit card, and the HELOC. And this is a rather convoluted method of leveraging your paycheck and the line of credit and the HELOC in order to put big chunks of money towards the principal of your mortgage. Uh, some months, all of your paycheck is going to go towards the principal of the mortgage. Uh, you're going to charge all your expenses and then you're going to use the HELOC to pay off the credit card. And then you're going to use your paycheck to pay off the, the HELOC and still pay your mortgage. And over a period of time, that's, that process is going to repeat. The goal of this is, is putting large chunks of money towards the mortgage in order to eat down at the principal as fast as you can, thereby lessening the amount of interest that you're paying on the mortgage overall. I do a decent job on that, Pete. I, I thought that was a lot better than I could do. Um, 
it's like many things in the personal finance world. Technically, this works. Mm-hmm. Technically, like I'm not saying I don't have a problem with it. We'll get to that in a moment. But technically, this works if you execute this by the the law of the land, and 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 you are very disciplined, and nothing ever goes wrong in life, and you keep your spending in check, and you never lose your job, and you can find the types of vehicles we just talked about a HELOC and a credit card that that make this work because that's not always the case with with these different devices then yeah i think it works but i also would have to say anecdotally i believe about three to five percent of people could pull this off well and the rest of everyone else uh would mess up their financial life significantly the opportunities for failure or potentially making things worse for yourself seems to increase with the more steps that you put into a process. And this is a very complicated process. Um, it also relies on you having very good cash flow with a lot of free income uh, that you don't uh, you know, have allocated otherwise. And if that's the case, if that's the case, why in the world aren't you just making the extra principal payments on your mortgage to start with? And and I don't want to say do it the old-fashioned way because that just means that we're still old and makes sense to us. But I don't see a huge incentive to do it the way that was uh, proposed in the email. And it's not like you have to make this work for three or four months. This We're talking 10 years of all this rigmarole. Damn, you ever go on YouTube, you're like, hey, I'd like to work on my body a little bit and you're like a, how to change your physique in 180 days and you watch this time-lapse video the guy's eating some chicken and there's some broccolis involved he's got some dumbbells and you see he looks schlubby like tom brady at the nfl draft or the, the combine in the first picture and at the end he looks more like me and it's like you're watching this video and you're thinking okay a minute and a half in i'm in And then you realize it took this man six months to transform his body. You might even start to try some of his exercises for six to nine days. But Dane, very quickly, you realize there is 0% chance you can execute that plan for 180 days. And that is why it is so remarkable. It's not remarkable in its simplicity. It's remarkable in its complexity. And sweeping your mortgage is remarkable in its complexity. There's zero simplicity to it. For someone like me, uh, I don't typically try and look for the every corner that I can try and get around on somebody or anything of that nature. There's, there are some some areas where I think it makes sense to uh, maybe maybe try and do things a little bit more intelligently. Paying off your mortgage, uh, I guess it could be one of those. You can be more intelligent by putting more principal towards your payment. You can be more uh, intelligent by taking a 15-year versus a a 30-year mortgage or refinancing when the interest rates drop and taking advantage of things of that nature. However, leveraging debt to pay off debt uh, and and relying on yourself and all the circumstances you can't control around that seems like you're tempting fate. There's always something like this. Back in 2005 to 2008, there was this idea that you would get a 40-year interest-only mortgage, invest all the principal you removed from your home, grow it on the side. I mean, there's always something like this, but rarely is it simple. You know, Dame, uh, you mentioned you don't always to try to take advantage of cutting corners and this and that. And we don't have a ton of time left in this segment, but I had a buddy come to me the other day and he said, look, 
my car lease is up. And what I often do in a car lease is I will buy it outright. But the deal was pre-agreed to when I leased mm-hmm. the car. And because I take care of my car, I can actually then turn around and sell it for a $4,000 profit in the open market. And he said, given that used cars are in demand right now, he thinks he can get even more of a premium than that. And you know, again, I'm I'm like you. I'm not always the, the person that's like trying to cut every corner and squeeze every dollar. And I also don't want to deal with individual car buyers. But man, that kind of makes a lot more sense than sweeping your mortgage. Yeah, benefit of the circumstances. In this case, uh, it t- works out well. You know you've got a, a market that's high in demand and you might be able to make a, an additional profit based on your good habits in the situation. See, my fear on that is if I tried that, Someone would be like, uh, how, many, how, "How much horsepower does that? Uh, how much horsepower does that have?" And I'd be like, I, "Look, man, there are no horses in that." That's the thing. Like, a nightmare to me is selling my car to an uh, individual buyer in the open marketplace. That is a nightmare for me. But Dame, enough about that. Coming up after the break, how often should you meet with your financial advisor? One investment advisor says every three months for sixty to ninety minutes. I'll tell you what's right next. I'm Pete the Planner. Man, that was a pretty good close. Yeah. You know, once upon a time, Rolls Royce used to list their horsepower figures for their automobiles as adequate. Oh. That was it? I don't know how to react to that. I think that's just your answer. If somebody were to oh, ask adequate, you how many horsepower, it. you'd say, well, it's adequate. Got it. No, that makes sense. Dame, uh, let's annoy everyone some more. How great was the Little League baseball story I told you before we went on air? amazing it had everything you could possibly want it was so good it was so good oh man good times i usually don't drink when i'm on air but this lacrosse is going down nice someone says it tastes like what you imagine uh tv static tastes like you know like when it comes like i always say it's uh like tastes like uh flavored aquanet oh yeah i get that too all right um let me pull up the question you know, Dame, uh, I'm not trying to hurry along our show today, but I am saying this show is what's standing between me and a three and a half day weekend. You want to call Ollie? She asked, uh, you want to call her and see if, uh, nah, yeah, no, let's not do that. Okay. In three, two, one, back on the Pete, the planner show. Dame, we got a question this week and I answered it in my Indianapolis business journal column. The question is, dear Pete, my investment advisor has offered to meet with us every three months and not just a phone call. He's suggesting a 60 to 90 minute formal meeting. This doesn't exactly appeal to me, but I fear I'm missing something. Is there a compelling reason for us to chat with him that frequently about our investments? The whole reason I chose to have an investment advisor is so I don't have to think about my investments that much. seems like a lot of work. Susan in Carmel. Dame, uh, I usually don't like to read what I've written on the air, but uh, I have to read to you how I started this. I don't think you're being lazy, Susan. (laughs) (laughs) I hope people appreciate that. So, Dame, (sighs) what do you you think here? I mean, I got to think 60 to 90 minutes every three months, unless this person has a a family CFO and Mm -hmm. has tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, which I don't think she would because she wouldn't be emailing me. Overkill, right? 
Yeah, you meet as much as needed, but as little as possible, in, in my opinion. I, there are instances when somebody is trying to uh, maybe make some, some big changes or, or maybe get some uh, behavioral finance issues under control that it might make sense to, to meet with uh, an advisor, and that could all be drawn out in the scope of, of what they're going to try and help you with. But to sit down and review a financial plan or investments every three months, crime. I don't. I don't usually advise people to look at their own stuff every three months uh, for, to make any serious decisions on it. So uh, it seems pretty aggressive. I don't want to distract us from an otherwise really good conversation, but during the break of the show, we were talking to what sparkling water tastes like, like what Lacroix tastes like. Mm-hmm. And Rick on our Facebook live feed just right now put it tastes like your foot has fallen asleep. <laughs> that's, my, that's funny, Rick. That's unbelievably funny. I might not recover from this segment. Um, Dame, here's the other element of what I think is probably going on. Sometimes investment advisors, specifically investment advisors, not just financial planners, but someone who manages your investments and sees over them. I I think oftentimes they try to make it appear as they're delivering a lot more value than they really are to say, well, hey, we are putting you know, four to six hours of FaceTime in with you. Imagine how much we're putting on the back end. Like mm-hmm. there's passive investing, there's active investing, but this is like meddling. It doesn't even make sense to me. This begs the question, Pete, and I bet you know about what, I, what I'm about to ask. I know. How much is he charging? Well, not only how much is he charging, but I think I, my, my gut tells me, well, there, there's also two things. He he really is doing a lot of trading and he wants to update them on it, which is an expensive way to go and and very active. Mm-hmm. But Dame, what if he's charging them a ton and they're just in a bunch of index funds that are being oh, modern portfolio theory index funds? Yeah. I, there's all sorts of information I wish we had for, for this one just to... Uh, well, I won't go there. There's a whole bunch of information I wish we knew uh, about this. In, this I, I will say this, that part of being an investment advisor is, in my opinion, in my opinion, and I wonder, I, I assume you agree with me here, but uh, Dame, you never have to agree with me. I think part of an investment advisor is appropriately simplifying complicated concepts and making the information approachable. However, having met hundreds, if not thousands of financial advisors in the last 20 years, based on my road travels and training financial advisors, there are two camps, my friend. There are the people who do what I just said. And then there are people who specifically make complicated concepts more complicated so that they have a role in the process. Do you agree with that assessment? Totally. Yeah. I mean, you're you're going to either uh, try and be your um, education source for, for your clients, trying to, to help them along the path of, of understanding their, their financial situation and how they're going to get from point A to point B every step of the way. Or you're just going to say, follow me and I'll take care of it. And I'm going to show you that it's entirely too complicated for you to understand. And there's no way you could possibly live without my services. Let's go. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what sort of drives me crazy a little bit. It, you, you ever go on YouTube and you search a very, very, very simple home fix and then, but it, it seems like a complicated process, but then you see that it's like a 67 cent part at the, at the hardware store and three minutes of manual labor. But you know 
sometimes that process is made to seem more difficult so that you can get a $85 service fee and then parts and labor. And it's, I mean, no discredit to people trying to earn a living and helping people out in, in the service industry, but man, Dame, some things are simple and some things can be simplified. And I feel like if you're paying a financial advisor, I don't want to know how the sausage is made. And, and I will I'll go a step further. Do you remember last year, last April, when I happened to put a giant fishing hook through my thumb? Do you remember this? Sure do. When I had that uh, removed at the hospital in the the, the heart, the heat, the, the, the fire of the pandemic, I didn't want to know anything about the process. Like I didn't want to know anything. Just take it out of my thumb and you can even keep the fishing lure. I... I don't want to know. I think the reason you hire a professional, unless you're an engineer, is because you you don't necessarily want to know. You just want to know it's taken care of. But I might be biased because I happen to be a conceptual person. I totally expect to spend more time with a financial advisor at the inception of the relationship. If they're doing a, a comprehensive financial plan, you're going to spend some time with them, whether it's uh, aggregating data on your own and getting it to them or reviewing some stuff or uh, explaining how things have been done in the past. You're, you're going to have a time commitment there in a lot of instances to make sure that uh, the financial plan is going to be representative of, of the situation that you're actually in. Outside of that, it's really going to depend on a number of different circumstances. Typically, Somebody, if they, if they are on the, uh, the higher end of the, the client ladder for that investment advisor, that financial planner, you're going to get more attention. I hate to break the bubble to everybody else, but people who have more money uh, that work with your advisor are probably getting more phone calls and birthday cards and anniversary cards and all that fun stuff. That doesn't mean the advisor is doing uh, less of a job for you than they are the, the person that might be getting more attention. Please don't misunderstand because that's simply not the case especially if the investment philosophy lines up with that. So it's okay. If you meet with your advisor twice a year or once a year in some cases, especially depending on the stage of life you're in uh, with your finances, it's okay. But saying a quarterly meeting, I don't know too many people that would do that. It, it is a bit absurd. It's self-indulgent on the advisor's part. And you said it at the very beginning of the segment. Maybe there's a behavioral issue that you're trying to get accountability on, but that's clearly not what's going on here. This is a person that wants to show that you homemade charts that you don't care about. Uh, like, Dame, I take a serious look at my financial situation once a year. Mm -hmm. Serious look once a year. That's it. I might glance at how a particular position is doing. I might look in a statement but not critically, not with the idea that a change would be made. And you actually said that either or, or earlier as well. You might look just because you're interested, but you don't look with the idea that you're going to take action. And the idea that you're meeting every three months for 90 minutes to me means you're taking either too much action or it is 100% self-indulgent on the advisor's part. And this is coming from two guys who are about as pro advisor as it gets, you know, imagine if we were like huge do it yourself or proponents. We're not, we are about help, reasonable help. And that is not reasonable help. And you are also right for the third time in this segment, that person is charging way too much money. How much, how much are they charging? Oh, they're charging. I'm going to, okay. We have got 10 seconds left. I'm going with point and a quarter. 
buck 75. Oh, coming up after the break, should you roll over old 401ks? Well, this guy has eight. What should he do? I'm Pete the Planner, and I'll tell you next. My outros are outstanding recently. Outstanding. I think it was just the fact that I got so many things right that segment. You were able to summarize them and set yourself up. You were right. I mean, sometimes when I pass, you're like, you know, it's like Hollywood Square. Like, pass it to you, you give an answer, then I give my answer. And it's like, uh, when you when you distill it down and you get all of it perfect, then I just, I spend the next eight minutes just repeating what you said with little funny stories. <laughs> That's the show. Yeah, the funny stories are great, though. I, I don't know. They, they kill time. Um, all right, this next question. Did I send it to you? I want to say I saw it somehow, but I don't recall all the details. The guy, he emailed me directly. I'm very, very good at this. His name was something. That doesn't seem helpful. No, that's not it. There it is. All right. I know this person's name. I feel like I should know this person. Okay. You ready to go? Yes. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, the email inbox filled up this week. And it filled up, oddly enough, the day before we recorded. So that makes for good show planning. But the good news is we don't plan the show. Dame, uh, my question. Keeping track of retirement accounts from prior employers consolidate or keep them where they are? Dear Pete, I'm 51 and about to change jobs. And I'm wanting advice on when or if I should consolidate retirement accounts from prior employers and when it's best to just leave them where they are. Time out. This is a great question. And then before I read any context here, sometimes I think people move them when they shouldn't. You know, I think there's a lot of reasons to leave them alone, but we'll take a look. I have approximately 540,000 American dollars in several retirement accounts. And in, in addition to an eight month emergency fund and some small ETF investments that I contribute to on a monthly basis. I wonder if this guy's single. Mm. I don't know. I own my home and am planning to pay it off in eight or nine years, then likely downsize and use the remaining equity for retirement savings. It's pretty well put together, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm currently saving 10% for retirement, approximately 19,000 per year. Ooh, big flex there. All right, I can Got do math. Big check energy. I can, I can do math. Yeah, uh, and in maximizing my Roth contributions. I have a Roth IRA, a Roth 401k, a 403b account, three 401k. So this guy's a physician, right? Potentially. Got a 403b, so he worked for a nonprofit at some point. Could be an attorney it, for a nonprofit. Could be. I'm, I'm, this is the fun part. Now I'm going to like Google him, see what he does, <laughs> not tell anybody. Yeah, well, I'm totally doing that, by the way. I have a Roth IRA, a Roth 401k, a 403b account, three 401k accounts, and a fund maintained as part of a public employee pension plan. I regularly review each of the plan websites and track the account balances. He's totally single. I mean, what else? Yeah. You know, but have rationalized leaving them where they are as they are all over the minimum balances that would require me to move them. And by having multiple funds with multiple companies, I get the benefit of the diversity of several funds, even though most of them are in target date type accounts. Is there a benefit to consolidating funds where possible? The state pensions obviously cannot be moved into one or two retirement accounts beyond the simplicity of fewer places to keep track of. 
or should I leave them where they are as long as the investments are all roughly similar in the risk and account types? Thanks for your podcast and all the witty repartee with your co-host, Dame. And Pete, you're not bad either. Wait, so that was he saying that you're witty. I'm I'm mad now. Now I'm going to say his name on air and his social security number. Dame. Okay, so the obvious thing is the reason you wouldn't have fewer accounts is because it's just easier to keep track of. Yeah, organization. If you've got uh, eight different investment accounts spread out all over the place, believe it or not, no, I don't believe this gentleman is at risk of it, but accounts get forgotten about every once in a while. Say you move and don't change an address or, or something of that nature, you find out down the road that, oh yeah, well, I had a 401k at ABC company and uh, totally lost track of it. So it, organization is going to be one of the top two reasons to consider consolidating your 401ks or 403bs into an IRA. The other one, Pete, want to want to give me your opinion before I, I jump into it? Another reason to do it? Uh-huh. Uh, I, mine's going to be weird. I don't think it's going to be the one you choose. Sometimes you, you can participate in an account in which there's a closed investment in it, which you could no longer get into in another way. And so therefore you're locking yourself into sort of an exclusive investment, but that doesn't apply to this person because he's using target date funds. Right. And so if, if you wanted to, you're exactly right. If you wanted to leave your uh, money at a place because there was a once upon a time, there was a, you remember Dodge and Cox? Yeah. Uh, there, oh, there yeah. Was a, oh, yeah. That was what I was thinking. I yeah. can't believe you said that. Yeah. So, there, uh, gosh, how long ago was that? 15, 20 years ago? There was just a, a really great fund uh, that you couldn't get into. They weren't accepting uh, new uh, contributions from new investors. Current investors could continue to invest in it, but it was, it was a closed fund at that point. And the only way you could access it it's typically through a 401k or, or some other plan like that. So that would be a reason to leave it there. But if you wanted to think of another reason to consolidate it, now we're going back to the other side, fees. Fees involved in some of your 401k plans, especially smaller ones, might be a little, a little prohibitive uh, in making a good argument to leave the money there, especially if you're on a target date fund. So uh, you say you're checking everything uh, regularly online to make sure that everything's as it should be and, and things don't look like they're running afoul. Okay, so I, I believe you think the, the fees are reasonable there too. So I don't know, Pete, if he's not really one for uh, thinking fewer is better as far as organization goes, he could probably run with it and be okay with it. Yeah, I hope, uh, there's not only the idea of being organized for the living, there's also the idea of being organized for the uh, surviving, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. the living, the yeah. still living for the living. Right. And so it's like, OK, have you tried to um, close and, and, and get accounts and transfers and rollovers and uh, from various different companies when you're mourning the death of the loved ones? If you, Dame, if you've ever done it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, it's yes. it's awful. It's not great. I mean, you've got to get uh, you know death certificates and figure out exactly what everybody needs. Do they need an original? Can they do with a copy? Does it have to be notarized? I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that goes along with doing that, which leads into a, a you know needing to have a very organized death binder as well in this case. So if you're going to have accounts all over the place, just uh, changes where you're going to have all the organization at. You're going to have to keep all that information. In a, readily accessible place by whoever's going to take care of your affairs after you die. You know, the other element of this that's incredibly obvious is this person does not have an investment advisor. Yeah, yeah that's right, because he wouldn't have nine different 401ks, would he? 
No, not a chance. Uh, which isn't necessarily bad. I, I remember uh, when I was an investment advisor, I had a client who was an attorney. Uh, and at one point was an attorney on the East Coast and left his 401k there when he came here because, as we were talking earlier, there was some sort of exclusive action within that 401k that he wanted to be a part of. The fees were criminally low. And uh, that's what he decided to do. Uh, I don't see in this situation the fees being the issue. Like, I, I think if I had my druthers, I would probably consolidate down to fewer accounts. It doesn't have to be one. In fact, it can't be one because there's different tax sensitivities, some of these things. But I, I, I would I would probably shorten it down. What would you do, Dave? Before I get to what I would do, Lisa from our team made a very interesting comment to me just now. His RMDs are going to be a nightmare in the future. So that would be a great time to start consolidating is before you have to start taking RMDs just so the calculation goes a little bit smoother. Uh, when you hit, uh, what is it, 70 and a half, uh, you have required minimum distributions. I believe that's 72 now, Pete. Is it? I mean, this is why you're in the advice team. Yeah. Is it 72 now? Yeah, I got pushed out. When? Uh, one of the last acts during uh, all this last stuff. That's been so I'm not that months. embarrassed. No, no, you shouldn't be embarrassed about that. <laughs> You're good today. Yeah. You should do this for a living. Uh, no, I actually don't feel bad that I don't know that because I, I don't give specific guidance to anyone. So uh, I, I can't remember everything. Anyway, when you reach 72, as everyone knows, uh, you are required to distribute some money from those qualified investments so that you have to pay tax on that. So Uncle Sam can get his. Ken Mott uh, in the Facebook Live says it was 70, it's 73. But then he said 72. And now I should split stop. Split the difference and go 72 and a half. And we'll do, sure. I'm sure you the government will be fine with that. So, Dame, that, okay, weigh in. What would you do? Consolidate or not consolidate? Uh, personally, I'd consolidate just because I wouldn't want to keep up with all those uh, different accounts and different companies. Fantastic. Here's what we're going to do. I just wrote on my hand. Here's what we're going to do. We are going <laughs> to. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. Biggest waste of money of the week. It's a doozy. It is a doozy. Uh, but I'm intrigued. All the best ones make you think, what a complete, I'm intrigued. Right? So we'll do that. We're going to talk about where the jobs are coming back, where the jobs are leaving. I am shocked in the June uh, jobs report where jobs declined in a particular sector that just makes absolutely no sense to me. We're going to talk about the next, and of course, Dame's current events, the time he gets to shine. And I don't just mean because he has no hair on his head. All that's next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. These outros are unbelievable. They are unbelievable. Just starting your weekend, weekend off very well right now. You want to hear what I'm doing after the show? I'm editing the show. You're going to the bank. Uh, I'm going, well, I am. I'm going to go get some ramen, and I'm going to get Ollie some boba. And then I'm taking her to the bank to get a debit card. That's my that's my day. So my uh, my TD discovered ramen for the first time this week. Like top ramen? Or are we talking like like Japanese gourmet ramen? No, like top ramen. Okay. Well, hey, that's a good place to start. Yeah. So he's uh, he's all about uh, noodles right now. I don't feel that bad that I didn't know about seventy two. I mean, I kind of feel a little bad. But on a scale of one to ten, like ten, like I forgot my wife's birthday. That'd be oh, a yeah. ten. This is a two, you know, 
I really, I don't feel like a, I, I, I legitimately don't give one-on-one -on -one guidance to anyone. Right. And the reason you're on this show is because I don't know anything and your job is to correct me when I'm wrong. Yeah, I have it's fine. <laughs> Clearly it's more than a two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is the most expensive burger in the world. It's been a decade since Juicy's Outlaw Grill in Oregon. I just wanted to say it like that, Dame. Set the record for the world's most expensive burger with a 777-pound behemoth. Time out. Can you really call something the most expensive burger in the world due to quantity? Nah, that seems... That's stupid. Dumb. Uh, Robert Jean Devine, the owner of Dutch diner De Dalton's, thought he could do better. And with a sandwich that can be picked up with just two hands. The golden boy is the result. Its ingredient list reads like a who's who of rare foods from around the world, including Japanese A5 Wagyu brisket and chuck, short ribs, white truffles, beluga caviar, paletta iberico belota ham, Dom Perignon champagne in both the onion rings and saffron gold leaf bread, king crab, and barbecue sauce made using Kopi Luwak coffee and Macallan or Macallan single malt whiskey described as having a complimentary but intense flavor profile. The first burger has already been sold with the entire purchase price going to a local food bank. Dame, what do you think this costs? Uh, $1,200. $1,200, $6,100, here's the thing. Here's why this is intriguing to me. That's absurd, clearly absurd, clearly absurd. But I do want to know what it tastes like. I do want to know. I, that does sound like a rather, rather intense flavor situation, but I want to know what it, do you have any desire to know what that tastes like, Dan? No, how many of those, those flavors are complimentary? Okay, well, it's funny you ask. Uh, anything super fatty, which is going to be the Wagyu, the ham, uh, the, even the beluga caviar to some degree, is going to be cut by the acidity of the barbecue sauce and the champagne that's in the, uh, the onion ring. Like, I think it could be good. And the king crab's going to be super rich. I think it could be good. Yeah, what I, I think you need to make a, a central Indiana version of this with everything that you can buy at a grocery store. Oh my gosh, what an idea. Okay, so what would be the Indiana, it'd be a tenderloin would be involved. Sure, I mean, but this is a, a, a remake of Pete's Eats in the making right here. I mean, this is a special edition. Oh my gosh, I'm in. Dame, what's, oh actually, uh, before we do your news segment, can we talk about where the jobs came back and where they didn't? Because I'm, I'm fascinated by this whole thing. Lead away, Peter. Okay, so. Uh, great jobs report for June, 850,000 uh, jobs added to the economy. Of the 850,000 jobs, 343,000 of them were in leisure and hospitality. Dame, you are not surprised by this. Not at all. Okay. Have you seen this list, by the way? Because the next thing I'm about to tell you is not the shocking thing on the bottom. It's the second largest growth area. Do you I know that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. You're ready to be both dismayed and shocked? Yes. What's the second category? I thought you were going to tell me. 
No, no, no. I, it's a guessing game now. It's 188,000 jobs. What industry is the second leading jobs uh, being added back in June of 2021? Dismayed and shocked. Uh, I, I would normally guess uh, something with like uh, dining or something like that, but I know that's not the case. So what is it? Government. Uh, and <laughs> uh, hundred. That's what. Like I, you are dismayed and shocked, aren't you? Yes. A hundred and eighty-eight thousand, and I have no further context around that. Maybe it makes sense. I would have a hard time believing that makes sense. Uh, next is professional business services. That's good. Seventy-two thousand jobs. Retail at sixty-seven thousand jobs. All right, Dame. Are you ready to hear what industry lost the most jobs according to this report in June of 2021? This is also shocking and dismaying in a different way. What do you think the percentage of uh, those jobs in government were IRS agents? Did you see there's, it might be one of your stories this week, there's like a 36 million return backlog for no. tax returns right now? No. It, it might even be more, it might be like 63. I may have uh, inversed the numbers. What? I mean, I've talked to a number of people that are like, well, still waiting on my refund. I, they just, uh, there's all sorts of issues inside the IRS right now. What industry lost 7,000 jobs in June? Uh, horse racing. Construction. Really? Really? How? What kind like, of construction is not doing well right now? I have no idea. I can't figure it out. I mean, is that about the because uh, lumber prices fell 41% or something? Like, I'm, I just can't even get my head around that. I talked to a contractor that I'm pretty good friends with just last week and asked if he'd seen any of the relief in lumber prices. No. He goes, Not around here. That's maybe by design. Were there 7,000 people building the wall on the southern border that got laid off? <laughs> That's a fairish question. I, I don't know. I, what is the news this week? Signing bonuses are usually reserved for professional athletes and privileged few white-collar professionals. Not this summer, Pete. As U.S. employers search for hires, increases in urgency, especially in manufacturing, logistics, healthcare, and food service industries, like truck drivers, hotel cleaners, warehouse workers, they're all being offered signing bonuses of hundreds, and if not thousands, of dollars, nearly 20% of all jobs posted on search site ZipRecruiter in June offer a signing bonus, which is up from 2% of jobs advertised on the site in March. The states with the highest shares of job listings that include signing bonuses are Iowa, Missouri, Vermont, Wyoming, and Arkansas, according to ZipRecruiter economist Julia Pollock. Hiring bonuses uh, often start at $500, but quickly rise from there. Job postings across sectors show that a $1,000 hiring bonus is quickly becoming table stakes in recruiting hourly workers who make between $16.50 and $25 an hour. I mean, I, I, I don't like gaming systems, as you and I mentioned in previous segments today. At that level of, I'm trying to think how I can say what I want to say without sounding incredibly elitist and condescending. Well, why has that stopped me before? Uh, why wouldn't a person get the signing bonus, work whatever sort of probationary period they have to work, and then go just do it again and again and again, and then turnover becomes a major issue? Don't know. I, it's the same thing I thought. I'm not sure why, uh, especially younger kids uh, aren't just going to job hop and, uh, and make signing bonuses and, and move on. 
What else is in the news this week? Suppliers that want to land uh, Amazon as a client for their goods and services can find that its business comes with a catch. The right for Amazon to buy big stakes in their companies at potentially steep discounts to market value. The technology and retail giant has struck uh, at least a dozen deals with publicly traded companies, which it gets rights, which are called warrants, to buy the vendor stock in the future at what could be below market prices, according to corporate filings and interviews with people involved in the deals. Amazon over the past decade has also done more than 75 such deals with privately held companies, according to a person familiar with the matter. This is both genius and also seems like an episode of The Sopranos. Yeah, doesn't it? It really does because they already have all the leverage in the world, uh, almost literally. I mean, they, they've got more leverage than any organization in the world. And then they, they're like, and we're going to take some of those profits. Like we we're gonna we're gonna cut our cut your prices as low as humanly possible, so we buy from you at the lowest price, and then we're gonna dilute your own interest in your own profits by becoming a shareholder with you, and we're gonna do it under the guise of it makes us partners. Ah, uh, capitalism. Uh, I don't think we're gonna get an Amazon contract, not because of these comments. No one listens to the show, but because. Um, they also have more employees than anyone in the world. I don't think that we can handle that capacity. I'm going to be honest. They are taking over everything. Fortunately, I'm a shareholder. So let's keep it going, Jeff. He's on it. Do you have time for one quick last story? Uh, is he going to return from space safely? That's a little macabre. I mean, I don't want to guess on his demise. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Do you think he is? Yeah, probably. Okay. By the way, final 10-second book review. I read Michael Crichton's Sphere, one of the original sort of thriller space novels the other day. Don't recommend. Don't recommend. Okay. All right. That's all we have time for this week in the show. Sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. Yeah, so I was, I'm reading a lot these days, and I was like, you know what? Michael Crichton was one of the – one of, he passed away early uh, – too early uh, – I was like, he was one of the greatest writers of all time, wrote Jurassic Park, wrote Disclosure, all sorts of things. I'm going to read Sphere, which was made into a crappy movie, which I never saw. But it got like 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, you know, it's terrible. Uh, I read the book and I was like, OK, OK, OK. And it has one of those just like, this is dumb. This is this is why I don't read sci-fi. It was Great dumb. endorsement. Yeah. So anybody don't read that book. I read that Michael Crichton, one of those biggest criticisms about his writing Brilliant, interesting guy. Went to medical school. But he like really uh, interesting guy. People said he writes science fiction for people who think they're too good to read science, real science fiction. I was like, well, that probably describes me too. Was it the uh, was it the the actual book you didn't like, or how the person read it to you? No, that's a fair question because I am an Audible subscriber. Uh, it was the book. It was the okay. content. But I do appreciate his writing. That's the other, you know, when I'm consuming a, a book, I'm consuming uh, both uh, the content, how it is presented, and then how it is audibly presented because I'm extra. But uh, so I will give him A for writing, B for story, actually C for story. And uh, I guess the reader was fine. Fair. What are you going to do this weekend? Like butcher a hog or something? Uh, probably do some yard work and uh, see if I can affix some pontoons to a mower to see if I can get in my yard to, to knock it down a little bit. Yeah, you got a lot of rain. You had an emergency plumbing issue earlier this week. Yeah, uh, house is a lot happier when the water can uh, get pushed out and away from the house. I am the son of a plumber. I was able to go to college because of 
plumbing emergencies just like the one you had this week. I almost called you to get your dad's phone number to make sure I was doing everything right. Yeah. So, all right, Dame. Well, um, that's it. I hope everyone has a safe, happy 4th of July weekend. Independence Day. I might actually have to watch the movie Independence Day. You know, that's one of those things. Um, Dame, that's it. And everyone else, as always, stay getting money.